Welcome to Resurrection Church Podcast. We are honored you are here. Without any further delay, here's the word. John chapter 12. I've got two particular scriptures I want to. uh, We're going to go over them. John chapter 12. Now, this is a story of when Jesus went to Lazarus' house, and we all know that, that particular story. And uh, they had made dinner for him, and, and Martha and Mary were there. And then it says in verse 3, Mary then took, I need a little more, more, a little more light up here for a minute. Mary then took a pound of very costly pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his, her, his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples who was intending to betray him, said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to the people, the poor people? Now he said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And that he had, and that he had, and as he had the money box, he used to pilfer, no, or steal what was in it. Now I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to look at that one. So I want to, I want to discuss something. This, this is, uh, I really felt impressed of the Holy Spirit to, to go this direction today. About, uh, we're talking about this whole series of kingdom living now and there's a lot of stuff going on in our country concerning the issue of capitalism and socialism and I want to um, I want to look at this biblically so that we have quote a leg to stand on so my question is did Jesus because the Bible says that Jesus came to declare the kingdom of God that was his purpose. He spent his years here declaring, revealing to, to mankind what the kingdom of God was all about. Now, in Matthew, as we read it, Matthew always used the term kingdom of heaven, but it's the same thing as the kingdom of God. He just used a, a, a slight uh, difference in the, in the wording, but it's still the same thing. So, my question is, did Jesus say or preach anything about socialism or capitalism during his ministry? Well, we're going to find out. And, you know, in recent years, there's been, there's a divide, there's actually a divide in the general church of the United States over this issue because people sometimes misinterpret scriptures and we've seen this happen. You've probably seen it happen. It's happened for centuries. People misinterpret scriptures and base it on the societal needs of that moment rather than the biblical tenets of faith. And so there's a lot, of, there's a lot going on in this about what kind of government does the Bible propose in operating in any country at any place in any time. Is it socialism or is it capitalism? 
Speaking of capitalism, I'll, I'll go along with Darius on uh, what he said. Uh, uh, this, the, you know, there's, there's been a, in the stock market, there's been a, a, a drastic fall recently. And I want you to, I want you to do not be afraid of that whatsoever. Okay, do not. It is, it is not fundamentally, uh, uh, it's not fundamentally there because of that, nor is it technically there. In other words, it's the, the only answer is our news media. The news media has overplayed their hand on this, and uh, if you listen carefully, you'll find that in our country alone, the average, uh, the average flu season will take between 29 and seven, I think it was 75, 70 some thousand people's lives flu each year in this country. And that's terrible. But we're talking about another virus that's taken what, eight lives? I don't know. It doesn't matter. The point is, it's minuscule compared to what the real issue is. And the coronavirus is a influenza with mild effects, mild effects. The, on everyone, it's just more. There's more propensity for the elderly who have underlying conditions. In other words, they're not in good health already. That's the ones. So if you're in good health and you're not, you know, you're not in your 80s, don't be concerned. Don't be concerned if you are in your 80s. The point is, is this is what happens. So, one my point, my point in this in talking about as Darius mentioned, this is a great time if you do some investing. This is a good time to get in. You don't get in when it's going up. You get in with down. And so it's dropped about 10%. So you're going to be able to buy any stock in the market for at least 10% less than what you could two weeks ago. I'd say that's a good discount. Okay? In fact, I invested uh, in three or four this week, right in the middle of it. Because I, I know that it's only temporary. Okay? So having, but that's another thing. I just want to tell you that. So Jesus came to preach the kingdom of God, okay? So we understand that. So before we get any further, I think we need a, a quick definition of what capitalism is and what socialism is because we're going to take out of Matthew. Jesus talks about these very issues in the book of Matthew and many other places. So uh, the definition of capitalism, now just you don't have to write it down, just listen. We know what it is generally speaking. It's the economic and political system in which a country's trade and industry are controlled by private owners for profit rather than the state. That's capitalism. In the Webster's Dictionary, the definition of socialism is that socialism advocates the ownership and control by the means of production, capital, land and property, and etc., by the community slash government as a whole and their administration or distribution in the interest of all people. For and by the society in general. Okay? Rather than operate in capitalism, which goes by the private interest of each, end of per, each individual person, and there's the difference. So let me give you a summation of this. Capitalism is the market-driven economy. Markets, everyone say market-driven. Market-driven economy. By the way, you know why gas is so cheap right now? Because of capitalism. When you become the greatest producer of oil products in the world, 
then it, your prices go down because you're in, you're in charge. That's called capitalism. Okay. So, capitalism is a market-driven economy. The state does not intervene in the economy, leaving it up to the market forces to shape society and life. Socialism is characterized by state ownership of businesses and services. Central planning is used to attempt to make society more equitable. And I'm going to use that word a lot today because that is the core of, of socialism is equality. Now everybody's for equality, aren't we? But not according to, to every opportunity. It's different. Think of it this way. If, you, if, you're, if you're making above the average income, in, let's say in this county, the county, our, the average income in this county for household, I think, is like 40, right at $42,000. How would you feel if the county said, uh, you're, you, you know, you're making, let's say you're making $65,000 a year, and they say, well, you're going to have to give all that back, so everybody, we're going to raise it from 42 to 50, but it's coming out of your pocket. Different story. Mm -hmm. So, did Jesus say anything about capitalism or socialism? Well, I'll give you a note up front. Not in the terms of capitalism and socialism. You won't find those two words in there, but you do see the principles in there. Now, everyone's had a, time, a chance to get to Matthew chapter 25. Okay, I want to give you lots of time. Let's look beginning at verse 14. You're going to find... The operation of the kingdom of God in this parable. Now, if you start in verse 14, it says, For it is just like a man about to go on a journey. Now, stop. What is he talking about? For it is just like a man. What is just like a man going on a journey? You have to go back a couple of verses because it says, Jesus said, then the kingdom of heaven will be compared to. This is a continuation of his description of how the kingdom of God operates. And I've heard this preached in so many other ways. They talk about your skills and your, and, uh, your giftings and, and all kinds of unbiblical definitions. This is about how the kingdom of God operates. Did you get that? So connect verse 1 to verse 14 and it'll start making sense. Now most of us have never read it this way because we just think it's a nice parable. But Jesus is saying, no, this is how the kingdom of heaven operates. For it's just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own, uh, his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To the one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on a journey. Immediately, the one who had uh, received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. And, the second, in this, and in the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and, see, and settled accounts with them. Settled accounts. That's key. Watch this. 
And the one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted me with five, or with five, with five talents. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And also the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. And the master said to him, Well done. I'm in verse 23. Good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. <laughs> it's not going to go well. Reaping where you do not sow and gathering where you you scattered no seed. You see his attitude already? And I was afraid and I went away and I hid your talent in the ground and see you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. Now, does that sound like equity to you? For everyone who has, more shall be given. And he who will, and, and will have an abundance, but the, from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth so what's this parable about the kingdom of God now before I get into this let's get a little bit of an explanation the early church experimented with socialism if you look carefully at Acts 4 Acts 5 and Acts 6 you'll see the attempt for the church to try to operate in the principle of, a, of socialism. Now, I want to say this up front. Historically, historically, in every case where some country has tried to implement socialism and it stayed long enough without failure, it always converted to communism. Always. 100%. And so it says in Acts chapter 4, in the verse, first verse, it says, and they, 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 all things were in common. Everybody had everything in common. So whatever they had, they shared with everyone else so that there would be, would be an equitable source of income for everyone so that everybody would be on the same page. They did this in Acts chapter 4. Because of, but it says in there that the property owners randomly sold properties to provide for the needy. Which is a good thing. It's good to meet the needs of the needy. However, in chapter 5, we see that it goes downhill from there. That's the story about Ananias and Sapphira. Remember, they had some property. They decided to sell some of it. And they went into to Peter, and, and uh, he did. Uh, Ananias went into Peter. And said, you know, this property, I'm, I'm, I'm giving it to the, I'm giving it to make it equitable income for everybody. I'm going to help someone out. And so he does that, which is nothing wrong with that, but he lied about the price. And God struck him dead. 
His wife comes in, does the same thing, agrees with her husband, doesn't know that her husband's already dead, and she drops dead. See, what happens in socialism is greed always enters in. And pride. They wanted everybody to think that they were really something because they're a generous gift to make everybody's life equal or on level ground. So, by the time you get to chapter 6, we see one other case when they continue with it. Remember, there was an issue in chapter 6 of Acts because some of the widows were not being taken care of as well as the other group of widows. You remember that? Then they had to, they had to bring on what we call what church calls deacons or elders, and they came in and they they were there to distribute this equality among all the brethren. But after that point, you'll never hear it mentioned again. It's because it didn't work. If it worked, you would have heard it in, in Ephesians. You would have heard it in Philippians. You would have heard it in Hebrews. You would have, you would have heard it in First and Second Peter and First and Second Thessalonians. You would have heard it all through the rest of the Testament. No, it did not work. So this experiment got washed out. So, what stance did Jesus take on in the governance of in the kingdom of God? How does it operate? So. Again, is, there, is the term capitalism or socialism in the Bible? No, the term is not, but the principle is. So what did Jesus teach? Well, let's go back. You can go back to, uh, to John. Remember, we read just John chapter 12, the story there. I'm going to go back there and touch on it briefly, very, very, very briefly. What did Jesus teach? Well, let's look at John 12 one more time. It says that she, she put this, this anointment, this anointment on Jesus' feet with her, and washed her, his feet with her hair. G, uh, Judas starts screaming about it. And he says, well, this perfume could have been sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor. Does that sound like income inequality issues? Absolutely. He was saying, we need to take care of everybody exactly the same. And we could have used that money and we could have distributed it out among everyone and then everybody would be happy. And so that's what you hear today in progressives who, who are proponents of socialism. They want everybody to be on the same playing field. Their thought, see, it sounds good. Well, we need to take care of the poor. But I want to tell you something. It is not income inequality. It's fairness. Listen, and I want you to write this one down. Fallen humanity will always use the poor to get them rich. See, that's the major flaw of socialism. You're dealing with fallen people. And fallen people will, will prey on poor people to line their pockets. Always. 100% of the time. So see, here is the fly in the ointment with this whole issue with, with, uh, with, with uh, what he was wanted saying about, well, you know, we could have given it over to him. Judas, listen, Judas was a, the Bible says Judas was a thief. 
he had charge of the money box and he was full of greed. So you see, as having the money box, he was overseeing the distribution of the wealth. Sounds like socialism to me. He was there as the numero uno one in Jesus' core of, leader, of leaders with him, that he was there, he had his hands on the money. And the Bible says he was not interested in the poor. It sounds good. They'll make you think that you're doing something good for the poor so that they can get their hands on the money because they want to control over the money. And a friend of mine, my fishing partner, who always says, they says, Steve, it's always about the money. <laughs> I said, Randy, you're, you're right. It's always about the money. See, now, what did Jesus do? Well, Jesus came back. And he said, he said uh, and now it said this because he was concerned about, the, not concerned about the poor, but because he's a thief, because he had the money box and so on. And, and Jesus said, let her alone. What was he doing? He was, Jesus was saying the kingdom of God is not about these things. The kingdom of God is about the redemption of man. How can we redeem man? It's not about his comfort and it's not about equity. It's about how we can bring people into the kingdom of God. So Jesus just disrupted uh, Judas's ideas behind this. It is not about everybody getting treated equally. We're getting treated fairly. And so when we allow the government to have the money box... The control, corruption will always follow suit. Always. Now Jesus and the apostles all through the New Testament taught about the personal, about personal worth and responsibility. Let me give you an example. Jesus, or Paul said in Romans 14, 12, so each one of us will have to give an account himself to God. See, it's not about the other person. We are accountable to God with how we deal with our finances and our money, not someone else's doing it for us. We are responsible for our own personal actions. And we will give a personal account to God for our account on how we deal. So how so do you want someone else taking your money saying someone else needs it? Or would you rather just do it on your own free voluntary basis where you do what you need to do as God prompts you to do? So in this text in Matthew chapter am I making sense? Y'all, is this a teaching? Y'all, I, I told my wife, I said, man, I'd like to preach like I preached last week. I had a good time. I hope you did too. But you know, I really felt like this was important for us because there's so much incorrect information out there. But let's look, go back, let's get, look at Matthew chapter 25 again. What Jesus was saying in this parable, he was encouraging people to be entrepreneurs. And he was encouraging people to look for ways to Gain a profit. Not only just gain a profit, but through aggressiveness and hard work. Now let's look at this in verse 15. It says that he gave five talents to one and two to another and one to another, right? Let's bring this in, in perspective. This businessman gave $600,000 to one of his employees. 
Now, why would he do that? First of all, the, apparently the man had proven himself as being reliable. But the point is this. Why, why would Jesus use such a phenomenal amount of money in his parable? Because, you see, money has value if we work for it. That's capitalism. Money has value if you work for it. People who are on freebies from the government traditionally do not do well with finances because it's handed to them on a plate and it has no value. So they have no purpose, no reason to set a budget, to manage their affairs, and to gain wealth for personal use. Because the money has no value because they did not work for it. See, I remember the day growing up. I started when I was 15. Worked in a, my uncle's hosiery mill. Got a, I, got, I started off, I think it was 75 cents an hour. And finally, I stayed there long enough. I had to go to minimum wage, which is $1.25. And I learned a lot in that hosiery mill. I learned more about things I should never have needed to learn about at that age when you're 15 because I was on second shift. But my point is, is I worked for it. Can I tell you another story? This, this is one of my favorites. I went to work for a fellow one time at a, at a service station. It was at, uh, it's called Rock Corner Service Station across from the snack bar. Everybody know where the snack bar is in Longview? And uh, I went to work for him. Man, I tell you what. I, he'd, he'd wash all of the Centel trucks, the telephone line trucks. He washed them every Saturday. Well, he did, he did and I did. So, I, so I'm just 16, just got my license. So he'd, let, he'd send me up the street. He'd let me drive the truck back. And then I'd bring the trucks in, and, I, and me and another fellow would wash those trucks. And in between that, I'd pump gas, clean windshield, did all that stuff. And, and uh, you know, he paid me for a little while per hour. And then one day he said um, it was ready to go. And I washed cars. I washed cars and I pumped gas. Loved that job. I just loved it. But anyway, uh, he, one Saturday, it was, it was, he always paid me cash. He said, um, he said Steve, uh, just go into the cash register. Now, this, I, he was a Christian. I wasn't. He said, go into the cash register and whatever you think you earned, take it out. And I said, Mr. Rudisell. Why would you do that? He said, son, he said, if you, were, if you were going to steal from me, you would have already done it because I had access to the cash register to begin with. Well, it never even dawned on my, I didn't think about that. I was just putting in a hard day's work. And, he, and, and so he net, from that day on, he never asked me, he never told me what I was to earn. But at that point, I was, this is a lot of money for a teenager back in the 60s. I was making $40 a day. That was huge. That was huge. I mean, I could go all, I could drive down to Charlotte, go get a pizza and drive back and, and wouldn't spend 3 or $4 on the whole deal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When gas was 25 cents a gallon. See, somebody said, boy, pastor's dating himself today. But you see, what he taught me, he taught me the value of working hard to earn an income. And so I saw it as valuable to me. That's why Jesus used this high number because he wanted to teach us 
how important it is that we have value in the money we have. If people give it to you, it is not worth as much as if you work for it. So here is this hero, this rich man in, in, this, in this parable. Here is this rich man, it says, and he entrusted his, his money to them. Did not say that the government came in and said, you need to pay them so much. No, he took this capitalist business owner, gave of his resources voluntarily to this man. He entrusted it with, it was his money. It was not the government's taxed money. Man, there's some crazy stuff I could get off and I won't. But the, 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 my friends, I know some of you are kind of young in here. Nothing is free. Somebody is going to pay for it. Am I, am I right about it? Somebody's going to. So when they offer you free health care, if they offer you uh, uh, free this or free that, oh, it might seem free to you, but somebody paid for it. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we love, I love immigrants. I mean, we got, we got a church with immigrants. But my friends, if they're not here legally, should they get all of their health care free and us pay the bill? Now, if they're here legally, it, yes. But if they're here illegally, no. I, I'm kind of like Paul. I was born here. I was raised here. I grew up here. I'm planning. I'm paying my taxes. Paying plenty of plenty of them. How about you? But it says he entrusted his money. So it this this did not belong. This this money he was distributing did not belong to the village. It did not belong to the government. It belonged to this business owner. He was the one who chose to give the money out. So it was nobody's business but his own. He didn't need some kind of government bureaucrat to decide how much money he should give that worker. Mm -hmm. Now, to a socialist, Jesus' hero is a criminal. To a socialist, Jesus' hero in this parable, this Man with some money is a criminal. He's, in, he's a criminal because he's guilty of greed, exploitation, and grave offenses against the enlightened social order. I use those terms because you know they're out there. He's a criminal. He can't do All the government's got to do that for you. It says in verse 15 that the distribution of this money was given according to ability. Ability. See, Jesus rejected the fundamental tenet of liberalism or slash socialism because they're kind of one and the same. Jesus taught 
ability instead of ethnic or economic quota systems. It has nothing to do with these things. If a man will work in this country, he's going to make some money. And I don't care what, what culture you're from, what color you're from, you will have an opportunity in this country to make it big if you want to step out and take the risk. We do not need someone telling us, oh, we, you know, listen, this is an insult to minorities when we overdo this stuff and say, well, you know, they're a minority and, 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 and they're, so they have this, this issue. Come on. There's nothing different in us except the color of the pigment of our skin and the way our hair grows. That's, that's it. That's it. And we've proven in this society that if a man or woman wants to make it big, they can make it big. It does not matter whether you're from Germany or Russia or, or wherever, Timbuktu, it doesn't matter. If you're willing to work hard and be aggressive, you can make it happen. So that's what Jesus taught. In verse 16 it says, And the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them, and he gained five more. So he's teaching us that distribution was made according to the ability of this man. Period. Promotions and pay raises were based on achievement. Why? Because the one who did five got five more. The one who did two got two more. But the one who didn't do anything lost what he had or what was given to him. I'm getting deep in the hole on this one. So it was based on achievement. Achievement. Not some social, economical equity issue. It was who does the job. So in verse 24 of this text, are you getting this? Is this reading different view? It says the second man who received two talents. Uh, and, and, excuse me. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, "Master, you've entrusted two talents to me. See, I have made, I have gained two more talents." Think about this. Jesus showed zero, zero concern for income equity. Zero. And that's what socialism teaches: that everybody's going to rise up together. And we'll all be equal. Thank you. Um, we've watched the downfall of Venezuela. We were there uh, just right after what's his face took over as a socialist, and the it was Venezuela has the richest resources of any country in Central or South America. They got almost as much oil reserves as we do. And you know what, their socialist government, I, and we can attest to this, they would run, the government ran the groceries. Nancy, you remember when they would do that? And they would, they, would, they would artificially pull off the market things that you would need. For instance, I remember, I think it was cooking oil, if I remember correctly. They, there was a scarcity of cooking oil. Now, they got more corn then Carter's got liver pills. They got corn all over that country. So how are they running out of oil, cooking oil? So what they'd do, they'd stockpile it, and 
because they owned it all. They stole it. They basically stole it from the farmers. Farmer was not making any money. They would steal it, package it, put it away, and then they would they would they would they would have a cost in it of maybe ten cents. Let's say ten cents a quart. And then they would draw it off the market. Now, what happens when you take something off the market? What are they doing? They're artificially fluctuating the markets to their advantage. It's greed. So then they would hold it off, and then they'd have a sale. And they'd put it back on the, on, the, on the shelves, but you could only buy three bottles. But when you bought your three bottles, they cost you about five bucks a piece. Do the math. The people didn't get the money. The farmer didn't get the money. The producer didn't get the money. Who got the money? <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you, well, and that's... that's that's like that every yeah in Central South America everybody everybody bars up their house why because people are so broke they come in and steal from you just to survive so yeah it look, every house looks like a jail it's, it's interesting so there's there's so much of this so I think I'm making my point so Jesus had zero concern for income equality and in other words I'm here to tell you that Jesus was a hardline capitalist. Jesus was a hardline capitalist in the operation in the kingdom of God. Now, think about the sluggard. He went from $600,000 for his one talent. He went from $600,000 because for whatever reason, he thought, his, he, he, he thought that his boss man was a thief. He had all kinds of accusations that were he was falsely accusing the man that gave him the money. So he went from $600,000 to zero. I think he deserved it. I'll just be honest with you. So Jesus shows us very clearly in verse 29 of this text, very clearly, he says, and it, for, the, for to everyone who has more shall be given. To everyone who has, more shall be given to them. And so he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have, will be taken away from him. So it's not, listen, it's not about equal, it's not about everything being equal. It's about giving everyone an equal opportunity. It's not equal results. So the outcome of this, think about it, the outcome of this was this. It was not dictated to him by the government, nor was it regulated by the government, but it was regulated by the individual initiative, the skill of this businessman. Now I'm going to say something here as I read this. Let's read it one more time. For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But to the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. I'm going to say something that's going to shock some people. Church, remember this. Rich people raise the standard of living in this country. They raise the standard of living for everyone. Not socialism. Socialism will not raise the standard of the poor. Socialism will not raise the standard of the middle class. Those who work hard, produce income, 
grow corporations, provide jobs. Yes, they're getting rich, but as the rich get richer, everyone, everyone will benefit. The standard will be raised. And I want to tell you, if, if it goes to the socialistic aspect, you will see those people who make those big bucks, they'll leave this country. Oh, they may keep a small house here just to say that they've got one, but they'll leave because they can afford to. And guess what? Now, if they're gone and their company's gone, then what's going to happen to everyone else? Do the numbers. It never works out. So accountability is not to, Jesus is teaching in the kingdom of God that accountability does not rest on some kind of governmental agency. It's in the private hands because it says that in, the, in verse 19 that the, this businessman settled accounts. He dealt with it, not some jurisdictional government. And you know how the government, listen, we were talking about this yesterday. All you have to do is, if you want to mess something up, put it in the government's hands. Let me give you a good example. I, I'm, I'm getting run out of time, but I'm going to finish. In this country, if you, if you order something from Amazon, there's about three ways you can get it. You can get it from UPS, FedEx, or the U.S. Postal Service. Now, I'm not saying that UPS and FedEx are mistake-free. But how many times has U.S. Postal Service messed up an order for you? How many times did they mail your check to someone else? They call, listen, you know, we're, we're building a new house and, and I had to rent a, a big dumpster. And they sent me, they sent me a letter. And it was a nasty letter saying, uh, you hadn't paid your bill. I guess my hair going raised up. And so I called them and they said, well, we mailed it. But the postman put it. They mailed it to our neighbor. Now, get this. Now, it was, we gave them our home address, our current home address, to mail it to. But the UPS, or not the, the postal service person, took it up to the street where our new house is being built and gave it to someone else up there. So, for here for a month, we didn't even get a bill. That would not happen with FedEx or UPS if they were dealing with letters. I'm just here to tell you, and some of you, some of you know that the the way a government's established, that they are they are they they are perpetual institutions. They design their operations so that they'll always be there. And I'm not listen, I know some of you've worked in government institutions like a well, there's all kinds you could be working for or have worked for. And, and it's good that you're there, but you know as well as I do that those things are so sorely mismanaged. Anyway, that's my, that's my argument for today. So, what was Jesus doing? Jesus was in this. He was promoting in the kingdom of heaven. God is saying, I want you to chase your dream. I want you to chase your dream. What is it? That big thing, that idea, that concept, that, that whatever it is that, that's in your heart. Jesus is saying in this parable, go for it. Do it the kingdom of God way. Work hard. Take the risk. 
extend yourself. Whatever's necessary for that to happen. He, he was saying, be aggressive. Do the things that will make you successful in your in productive in whatever field that you're that you are involved with. You see, think about this slothful fellow. He didn't get food stamps because he didn't produce. He didn't get food stamps. He didn't get any unemployment benefits. He was not issued any entitlements. Jesus said, throw him out, this wicked and lazy slave. Mm. Y'all, he got quiet. Can, 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 can I read you a scripture that goes along with this? Because I've got to wrap this up. I've got to jump over a whole bunch of stuff. In 2 Thessalonians, a little hidden spot in chapter 3, verses 10, 11, and 12. Get this. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat. If anyone is not willing to work, he's not to eat either. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined, notice the combination, to not working undisciplined lives, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now get this, he says, Now such persons we command and exhort you in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in a quiet fashion and eat your own bread. Eat, tell yourself, eat your own bread. You don't need a handout. You don't need another entitlement. You don't, you don't need all the federal assistance. Now there's certain things like, like Social Security, terrible, terrible system. Man, if, if they had let me have my own money and put it in some kind of escrow account and let me deal with it, I would have been, I would have been a hundred thousand times better off than that little bit of Social Security. But remember, you say, well, I'm entitled to my Social Security. You better believe it because it's your money. They take your money away from you and hold it and then starve you when you retire. That's not the kingdom of God way. So if a man won't work, don't let him eat. We're not, the government is not to give us these handouts. You don't need all these freebies. God will provide a way if you'll trust him and you'll work hard and do the things that he asks us to do. So I'm closing this thing out here today. In, in fact, it's so interesting. Jesus took the, took the money from the fellow, didn't do anything. And he gave it back to the fellows who did all the hard work. Now, I tell you what, that, that's equity there. I like that. I liked his concept. And it's all about the kingdom of God. This is how Jesus parabolized this, if that's such a word, to let us see how it's supposed to operate. So, Jesus, this businessman had no intention of rewarding or subsidizing anybody who was irresponsible. And, I, and I, this is, I'm going to just tell you, I've told this before, but I'm going to tell you again. I've had some, a lot of bump-ins with people, particularly, I have a, I ha, I have a real heart for, the, for single women with children. But the way our system is set up, they get paid to have babies without husbands. Why would they want a husband when they can make money having babies? 
Am I telling the truth? No, that's not, that's not an act. So, so, so you and I are taking care of their kids while they're going out and producing another one and another one and another one. And then, then, then if they get too many, they'll pay for them to, to get them aborted. That's a whole other subject. I'm not going to go there. So Jesus taught that in the kingdom of God system that the redistribution of wealth is to be entirely voluntary, period. So I'm, let me recap this as we close. Capitalism is to, should remain, Jesus is teaching that capitalism is to remain in private hands. The owner of the capital is free to invest and entrust as he chooses. Economic gains through investment, risk-taking, and smart choices are the processes. Success is based on ability slash performance and not by some kind of quota system. Achievement is rewarded, not effort. Excuse me. Achievement is, is rewarded with effort and not because of equality. Laziness is punished, not rewarded. And resources are not to be involuntary trans, involuntarily transferred from, from a producer to a non-producer. That's the person beside of you. Are you producer or non-producer? So, in all this was to say, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God has capitalism in its DNA. Oh yeah. In the kingdom of God, capital, the, the DNA of capitalism is buried in the kingdom of God. Jesus was a capitalist from in the core of who he was. He promoted it. He encouraged it. He wanted us to use it. So my friends, we've got us a system that works. And it's time that we step out. There are people in this church that you've been holding on to some ideas and things and, and you've put it off and put it off. And I'm here to tell you today, it's time to start that thing. It's time to get that thing going. It's time to capitalize on what God has blessed you with. It's time to get away from the systems of this world, the government assistance. Get away from that stuff. Well, you say, well, I can't afford it. Listen, you'll, they've, made it, they've made it so that you'll never be able to afford it. They have built-in, built-in failure on all government assistance. It's there. Built-in favor is there for all government entitlements. Why would they do that? Because, you see, if they got you a way out, then they wouldn't have a job. So they've designed it so that they'll always have a job and you'll always have to depend on them to supply what you need instead of God. And there may be people in this room where you are getting some entitlements. I encourage you to pray about it, to fast about it, to step out and do what God asks you to do. If it, if it takes getting more education or more training or whatever it might be, just get out there and do like this businessman did. He risked his stuff and he gained profitably from it in immense ways and you can too. So if you've got that business idea, this concept, the investment, whatever it might be, my friends, it's time. Don't get sucked in in this era of this 
country and fall to the fatalism of, 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 of the socialistic ideas. They will not work. They've never worked. It is not kingdom-minded. It is not in the kingdom. God says, go out, find you a job, and go to work. Amen? Did you learn something this morning? I, I know that was a risky message to talk about, but it just we need to do this. Because, you know, in, in a few months, you're going to be asked to vote for people. You better know what they're standing for. Get informed. Get informed. This is what my wife, and you say, well, Pastor, well, I know you're, you're, you're a capitalist, and, and you know, I don't know if I ever told you, but, you know, you know, my wife, I vote Republican. Not, I haven't always. See, I've watched it, I've watched it switch. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Remember back when Kennedy and from then on, the shoe is on the other foot now. And so I had to switch because of the, my biblical values as a Christian were going into conflict to what I was seeing presented by the other party. You got and you got to look. So how so how do I do it? I watch both sides. You got to read both sides. You just can't watch one social, one media thing and say, "Well, I've got all my information." And I give you my example. Uh, my wife and I uh, will listen to Fox on at six p.m. on every evening for the Fox News, and then at six thirty we go to uh, CBS. Why? Because I want to hear both sides. I challenge, I challenge you to do the same thing. You might get enlightened. You might get really enlightened and find out what's on both sides. Because if you only listen to one side, you're not getting the whole message. It's tainted. I'm talking, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm talk, not talking about Democrat or Republican. I'm just talking about the news media. Do you know that only 3% of registered news, news media people are registered Republicans? Did you know that? 3%. So what would you expect to hear from news media? Their side. Listen to another side. That's all I ask you to do is listen. But today, you know for sure, you know for sure your pastor has made you, you, you are accountable. When you go to the, and this, and this is our great, in a great country like this, we have the opportunity to vote. When you Thank you for listening to the Resurrection Church Podcast. We hope you are encouraged and ready to win souls for Christ. For more information or to plan your visit, go to rc-hickory.org.